0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Okay, welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host, and joining me today is my good friend uh, Garrett Ross from Bears Illustrated. Um, It's the Baylor 247 website, also. You can hear them on 1660 ESPN Central Texas on uh, so from 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday um, on Game Time. That's the name of the show still, right, Garrett? Game Time? Yeah, this week. Game Time. Okay, yeah, that's right. Uh, and Garrett's here to talk about the Baylor Bears. So, game, big game Saturday. Not, I mean, I guess it's a big game for Baylor in the sense that they're coming off a lost attack and they need a victory to just sort of feel better about where they're at. It's a big game for TCU after a terrible loss against Iowa State this week, they really need to pull off an upset, if not Baylor, getting somebody else down the stretch here to get back in tournament contention. But, Garrett, I first wanted to ask you about, um, you know, expectations affect everything when we're talking Mm -hmm. about sports. And Baylor, you look at the record, you look at what they've done, and most people would say, hey, they're having a really good season, but they're coming off a national title. I know they've had some unfortunate injuries. Uh, As we sit here kind of in February going into March, where do you feel like this team is at as they start to get ready to ramp up for a March Madness run?
0: I think they're in kind of limbo right now, right? Like you have significant injury to Jonathan Chomachachua over the weekend. Uh, Mm -hmm. You find out he's done for the year. You had LJ Cryer who was already injured himself, Um, but you did get Cryer back for that Texas Tech game. He's still on limited basis right now with Bennett wise. And we'll, you know, I'm sure that's something that it's going to be based off of, you know, how he's feeling as far as increasing those minutes. But right now I believe he's at 15 minutes in tech and more than likely that again uh, with TCU. So right now I feel like they're kind of filling themselves out, uh, trying to figure out what they're going to be. And I think it's going to take a few games before they can, and probably even through the big 12 tournament before they really know what they're at heading into March.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Jonathan chan So for people that don't know who Everyday John is, which that's kind of the nickname they gave him, uh, I mean, you look at the stat sheet, he's a productive player. He might not be the first person you would pick out if you just kind of look at numbers. But I, I know Flo Thomba's gotten some more minutes lately. Um, just for folks that might not watch Baylor, how important was Jonathan to what they were doing and how different is the team now with him out of the lineup? I think it's
0: very important. I mean, he's he kind of filled the void left behind for Mark Vidal as far as the energy guy, that that guy that you can go to to make a big play, you know, and crucial at times. And without him on the court, you don't really have that voice. You know, that's somebody that was they were always looking for. You do have his personality, and more than likely, he'll be back on the bench uh, within the next – he might not be back on the bench this weekend, but pretty soon. So you still have that there. But, I mean, it's, it's a big void because – it, it, what really hurts is your fouls. You know, he was your main big man, and when you look at the slate this year across the the landscape of college basketball, a lot of these guys, of these teams, these top ten teams, have a lot of big men. You look at Purdue, has got two seven-footers. Uh, you have Kessler down at Auburn. We know what Kentucky has, so I think it's kind of crucial for Baylor going forward, not having him on the court.
1: So, a guy I wanted to ask you about, and then we'll start to get more into the game itself t- tomorrow, but um Matthew Mayer really interesting case to me like I I know in the offseason he uh dipped his toe in the water with the NBA they gave him some feedback and I feel like Garrett when I watched him early in the season it was almost like he was trying to do what those NBA scouts were asking him to do which I think if I had to guess I don't know this for sure but I imagine they told him hey we'd like to see you become a more all-around player you know pass the ball a little bit more show some um, different skills, but like Garrett, like when I watch him play, he's a score. Like that's what he does. That's mm-hmm. what he's built to do. And maybe this has changed in the last few weeks, but do you feel like he's a little tentative, a little off? Like what's kind of going on. That's a lot, not allowed him to, to catch steam. Like some people thought he might.
0: I mean, that's a really great question. I honestly feel for me, it's, it's almost like he's completely out of sync at times with the guys. When, when you look last year, you know, it, he had a really great bond in chemistry. You know, him and Jared Butler would always be joking in practice and, you know, have a dunk contest and things, and that's gone. Um, you had uh, the other half of the Mullet brothers, uh, Jackson uh, drawing a blank.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, so he transfers. So that was like his Myers' best friend. Um, and then you have you're right I mean he dipped his toe in the water you get told all this information and, and criticized on your game essentially constructive criticism you know mm-hmm. but you add that with a complete turnover and everything I, I think he just has a lot of weight on his shoulders and he just hasn't really found his footing and I think the other day coach Jacobs was on 1660 with Matt Mosley and he mentioned that the comp made a comment like, we'll, we'll win or lose games on the play of Matt Meyer. You know, like he can, because if you look at the the game before tech, um, he really didn't do anything, but he turned it on in the last three minutes and those eight or nine points he got were, were the difference in the win. So it, it's, I don't really know exactly what it is, if it, but it seems like it's mental with him.
1: So game Saturday at the Farrell center. Um, I feel like I'm kind of opening up a can of worms here, but, Ferrell Center is a weird place in that I think the it's sort of rolling the dice game to game, what kind of crowd you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did feel like watching that game last week against Texas, it seemed like the home crowd kind of gave them a boost. What do you think about you know, the possibility? I know it's an early tip, 11 a.m., but coming off a tough road trip to Tech, is that something that could help give this team a lot of energy, at least early on? getting back at home, and uh, trying to get back on the right track.
0: Yeah, I think anytime you play at home, it's definitely going to benefit you. But And you bring up a good point. Like Saturday, they had a good crowd for Texas. And a lot of the, the Baylor fans, like the true Baylor people, don't live in Waco. You know, they're, they're, they're in Houston. Their mm-hmm. families are in Dallas. So it's easier for them to make it down and fill the Ferrell Center up on these weekend games than it is, say, a Tuesday tip at 8. And I think that's what a lot of people don't really understand outside of this, this thing is Waco is kind of separate from Baylor. But so with that being said, though, with this game being on Saturday, you're coming off of a hostile environment. Tech had almost 15,000 fans there. You've got to match that. Now, I think that everybody's kind of been adamant all year long. I mean, we, we've been talking about this for years, but you're seeing more of the coaches get involved. Nikki Collins out there for the men's games in the student section, vice versa, Drew's with her. Uh, the students at the women's games, and I think that given the weekend, given the moment, um, actually I could expect a good crowd. I'm not saying it's going to be a sellout, but I would think you'd probably get eight thousand 7, 7,500 people in there on Saturday.
1: So um, something I wanted to get your opinion on. last year, I know they had a lot of guys that could play. I, I mean, they won a national title. They were really, really good, but it seemed like in big moments when they needed a bucket. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell were the guys that they were like, okay, get them the basketball, get out of the way, let them score. I don't really know who that is for the for this Baylor team this year. Like I I know James Kinjo can fill it up, and you mentioned Criers been in and out. Flagler is a guy that can catch fire, but do they have? Are they still searching for that Garrett? Do you think they have that guy that if you just need a bucket, like we're going to give them the ball and let them go to work?
0: I don't necessarily know that there's a specific guy. If you look like Cryer has been their leading scorer all year, and obviously not having him has hurt them, but and he's back, but you're not going to get that production from him, I would say, you know, a few games in, right? Um, Akinjo and, and Flagler can both score, but it's kind of hit or miss. Like the other, other day, um, Flagler went off against Texas in the first half. He had like 13 points and he goes completely dry in the the second half. He hits a big three at the end to kind of really put the Longhorns to bed, but he he had that gap. And luckily, uh, it was kind of vice versa and flipped with him where Kenjo started scoring in the second half. So you have guys, I mean, like across the board, if you look at just this game uh, against Tech, you had four guys scoring double figures, but there was none like major. So I think you have a team that can score consistently across the board, but you don't have like a, one guy that you can look at and say take this over if we need that
1: Mm -hmm. um as you look at the big 12 as a whole you know baylor is now taking some tough losses to tech twice and to kansas once on the road and i look at ku one more time garrett who do you think is the best team in this league right now
0: uh right now texas tech i mean in my opinion they're, they're undefeated at home they've beaten kansas they've swept baylor um they're the best team right now. And, and I think that coming into the season, nobody really expected that. I mean, we knew Tech was going to be good, but when you you get guys from the transfer portal that have are, can come in and just, like, don't miss a beat, that's, the, that's what helped with Baylor, you know, is you had Basio coming in and you had Davion transferring in, uh, and they just clicked. And that's what you're seeing up there with Tech. Um, I, I feel like right now they are the best team in the big 12 and you know there was a lot of talk coming into the season from a Baylor perspective they were upset like they, like they were being slighted or disrespected because people were predicting them to be third but they had such a big turnover and even they're even though they're extremely talented these are like two like Kendall Brown could still be playing high school basketball you know what I'm saying like it's yeah. crazy to think about and I think we don't put that in perspective when we're looking at their them taking these losses but Man, I I think right now Texas Tech has to be the best team.
1: No, I think you're right. And it's weird because, I mean, you – like, I I was listing who do you go to if you need a bucket, and I I rattled off four or five names. I didn't even get to Matt Meyer. And then you mentioned Kendall Brown, who's like their stud freshman. Yeah. So, I mean, they're talented, but it just hasn't – you know, it hasn't really come together for some reason, Garrett.
0: It's it's – I think it's just because it's such a different style than we saw last year you know you Mm -hmm. you had you knew you had these these guard this guard oriented team that was going to get out and transition and lock you down on defense and maceo was going to light it up jared you know you you just it's it's totally different and these it's young there's there's rebuilding the chemistry you lost almost everybody um but i it's, it's just crazy that nobody's been able to step up. But at the same time, I think that kind of shows that that team, that we over me mentality. Um, and it's just kind of one of those things that this is how they're, they're shaping up right now.
1: For sure. So the basketball tomorrow, TCU Baylor. One more thing for Garrett, and then um, I'll let you go. And I appreciate you hopping on the show yeah, uh, this morning, afternoon, whenever people are listening. But football-wise, Dave Aranda. Um Big-time contract extension. And, I mean, Garrett, we we know college football, right? Like, we know these things yeah. are as good as the paper that they're written on. But Dave does seem to have a commitment there. Like, he seems like he's happy. Um, and it feels like there's only he, – he wouldn't disclose this, but there's probably only a couple jobs in his mind that he would really even consider. Uh, how big was that, just coming off a Big 12 title, getting him locked up? at least on paper through, you know, the next decade, essentially.
0: I think it was huge. I mean, it shows stability. It shows that he's somebody who truly wants to be here, wants to build something and win. Um, And if you're a Baylor fan, that's exactly what you want. You're coming off of a Matt rule where he came in and you knew from the jump, like, yo, I'm just going to be here. We're going to do good things, but I'm going to the NFL, you know, and with Aranda, you don't see any of that. And I think that they were longing for somebody to come in and be that Grant Taft, you know, that just lay your roots in Waco and uh, stay here forever. I don't know if necessarily Aranda would – I don't know if he's going to stay here that long, but I think that he would honor that contract. You know, I mean, I love I love the fact that they were able to lock him down. Now, you're going to have to also take into consideration, like, next year, while you have all this talent coming back, a lot of these games, dude, are on the road. All those big game, every big game is on the road. So you're gonna say you might see if you lose a couple of games here or there, well, was the contract worth it? And it, there's just it's bigger picture here, and I think it gives him time. And for me, I think Mac Rhodes is extremely smart. I think that um, he's got a sound relationship with Aranda, and I kind of feel like they want to take that that um, Dabo Sweeney approach. You know, just give him time, let him do his thing, and let him become successful. And that's what's worked with Coach Drew. That's what worked with Kim Mulkey when she was here. I mean, it, get just let him go. Let him do it.
1: That's Garrett Ross. You can find his work on Bears Illustrated. It's the Baylor 247 website. He and Tim Watkins do a really good job covering the team, covering recruiting. And then also, if you uh, want to listen to him on the radio, 1660 AM, ESPN Central Texas. Best place to find him. When we come back, uh, TCU baseball starts tonight. So we'll discuss that. That's coming up on lockdown Horn Frogs. All right, we'll keep this uh, relatively short because that segment before took a little longer than I thought. But TCU baseball, they kick off their season tonight at 6 o'clock against San Diego State and Scottsdale, Arizona. Your weekend rotation for the Frogs. Austin Crowe gets the ball tonight on Friday. That's going to be the way they're going to roll, at least to start the season. Saturday, Riley Cornelio, and then on Sunday, Brett Walker, the uh, grad transfer from Oregon. So I like how this sets up pretty well. Um, you know, Austin Crow, we knew what he did. We we know what he did last year. He was arguably their most consistent pitcher all year long. Closed out the season with a great performance against McNeese State um, that set them up to you know have a chance to win that Fort Worth Regional, which unfortunately they fell to the DBU in Game Two. So, uh, Riley Cornelio, super fascinating that he's the Saturday starter. He didn't pitch much at all last year. This guy was a stud coming out of high school. Number one prospect in Colorado um, when he was in high school. Got to TCU. You know, got some appearances in the COVID-shortened season. And then in 2021, really didn't make any appearances at all. The last time I remember Riley on the mound it was on a Tuesday night. I think they were playing SFA or Tarleton. You know, it was one of those Tuesday night games against Tarleton or SFA, somebody like that. And, he walked like two of the first three batters and then got pulled and then didn't really see him again. So I'm not sure what was going on behind the scenes there, but apparently he had a really good fall and he's going to get the chance to get the ball on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Brett Walker, um, who's a grad transfer from Oregon. And I was intrigued when uh, he transferred over. Cause he's got really good numbers. He had like a 3.66 ERA last year and he was one of their main starters. He started against LSU in the NCAA tournament last season, um, and I thought like he'd be kind of a shoe in for the rotation. I know most people that were sort of predicting the roster saw Cam Brown, another youngster like Riley, as the guy that would step in that role. That didn't happen, but now Cam Brown, you got the potential to use him on Tuesdays. I also kind of wonder if you know he's going to be your set Tuesday starter, or maybe they sort of rotate that week to week, and maybe you could have some. Um, flexibility or the opportunity to bring Cam Brown to the bullpen from time to time. Don't know that for a fact, just sort of thinking out loud, but they got some arms. I mean, it's, it's a lot of potential. You're kind of banking on, okay, you know, think Riley Cornelio is going to be great. Think Brett Walker is going to be good, but you're talking about three good, solid starters. And what happened to this team last year is down the stretch. You know, Russell Smith and Krobe and started to lose their rhythm a little bit. Johnny Ray just sort of totally lost it. And they had to put Chuck King in there. And, you know, Chuck would grind out innings, but it wasn't always perfect. Um, So as the year progressed, like at the start of the season, it was really a bullpen that was shaky. And you were just hoping Halen Green could come in and close out games. The starters were pretty solid. As the year went on, the starting rotation really got shaky they weren't giving you many nearly as many innings and it was sort of the bullpen that stabilized things um, so we'll see how it goes this season man I like those three starters and I like the options you have out of the bullpen Garrett Wright um, you know River ridings Marcelo Perez um, the list goes on and another guy that I'm kind of curious to see what happens with is Luke Savage like he became a pretty big part of what they were doing as the year progressed last year. So um, just a lot of options, a lot of different guys that they can go to. I'm excited to see this team in action uh, tonight. If you're curious about watch where to watch that game, MLB Network, you can tune in there, 6 p.m. at San Diego State. TCU Baseball, season starts. Uh, we'll talk about it more Monday. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.